Blog Talk Radio. Phone calls are greatly appreciated today. Uh, 563-999-3034, the number to call in. Trying a little different there with the start of the show. Because uh, I've listened back to the shows on the iTunes. It does not sound good. Uh gets very scratchy there. We don't know why. I've heard that damn song enough. I usually don't listen to it. So now, there we go. Um, first things first. Uh, we left your Monday night. Um, barely even touched on the Patriot Jet game. And it was mostly because who thought you were going to have to? Um didn't really think we were going to have to on that one. What came from that game, though, was the absolute embarrassing loss that the New York Jets took on the hands of the New England Patriots. And I know, it's the Jets, it's the Patriots, it always it happens a lot, blah, 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 blah. But this wasn't a typical Patriots-Jets, Jets got embarrassed, Patriots blow a Malky. Back in the Rexy years, we all... So when the Patriots would go and, and blow them out, it was personal. Everybody kind of thought that Belichick liked Adam Gase. He said all the right things about him. But Gase's last game with Miami against New England gave us the Miami Miracle, as it was called as it's been called. 
kudos to the Dolphins for the play coming together, working for them. But when you look at the whole situation, in that, Belichick had something to prove against him. It's not like he has anything to prove anything, but he wanted to rub his nose in it. So now you have Belichick versus Gase, which goes under the radar. And a lot of it turns into we're going to take care of him. We're going to be the reason he loses his job. And I don't think Belichick ever wants somebody to lose their job. But if you get a chance to embarrass a team, then the Patriots are going to do that. So what you see then becomes we're going to do what we have to do. People like Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News saying that Sam Darnold's the best quarterback in the AFC East. That there's a bank and everything you say gets put into that bank in the NFL. Somebody's going to hear it. You don't think these guys read press clippings? You're dead wrong. They all read the press clippings. They all know what's being said about them, being said about their team. Then you heard Sam Darnold's comments next week. We're going to exploit the Patriots' weaknesses. They have to find weakness first to exploit it. And they didn't do that. It's not there. The Jets are not a good football team. They are not a well-put-together football team. They are not a team that when you look at everything that went on there in the offseason, allowing a GM to hire a coach, draft the team, put the team together, and then you fire them in early May. Right. See, how all that happened. You have what went on just with the Jets in the past. And granted, what was that, week two? The game in week two where the Jets sat there and played till the end, good for them. They played till the end of that game.
off of the Jared Stidham. Got one off a muff punt from Gunnar Olszewski, who you know Belichick really likes. Because he's still there. He's still returning kicks. Usually you fumble like that with New England. You don't see the field again. Jarnoszewski still returning kicks. Became valuable to them in the week six win against the New York Giants when they lost Josh Gordon, who they then placed on IR today due to a knee injury. And they were saying it wasn't serious for the last week. The last two weeks, ever since that, oh, it's not serious, it's not serious, it's not season-ending, it's not serious. Why? Because they knew they had to make a trade. They knew if teams knew that Josh Gordon wasn't going to be available to the Patriots, that the price would then go up. So they make the deal for Muhammad Sanu, who before he signed with the Atlanta Falcons, garnered some interest from the Patriots a few years back, ultimately signed with the Atlanta Falcons, Now the Patriots go and get him for a second-round pick. And he carries another year on this contract to where he's going to be there next year. And Keel Harry, their first-round pick, he was taken off IR start the year. He's working his way back. He's not eligible to be activated for another week, so after or before the Ravens game. I think it's after the Ravens game. So when you look at all that stuff involved with it, had a clear roster spot. Now Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network just tweeted that Gordon believes he's close to returning the play. So his IR designation today means he's likely done with the Patriots, but could be available for teams as a free agent very soon. Very interesting. And then he'll be waved off the IR when he's fully healthy, which Patriots may do. That is between uh, Mike Garofolo and Ian Rappaport, who were just tweeting that, and that is what you show now. You get the fluidity of what's going on. 
We'll be right back with more of the George Bruce Show on the What's Bruce Sports Radio. about Headblade, check us out at headblade.com. Now, we talked a little bit about the Patriots. Didn't want to get into them until later. But the real first talking point for today, and I wanted to go over. It was a state of head coaches in the New York area, in the New York City teams, Adam Gates and Pat Shermer. Start with Adam Gase. He had a team that came out lifeless to play this week. Came out truly inspired last week against Dallas. Granted, they had a bye week before that. Played Dallas, had a long week coming into the Patriot game, and they got absolutely waxed and embarrassed. We're sitting here talking about what the NFL was doing allowing the IC ghost with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold just played in his 16th National Football League game on Sunday. He only played 16 games at USC. His best season at USC, he had a guy by the name of Juju Smith-Schuster as his wide receiver. Who Sam Darnold had a huge coming out party in the 20... 17 Rose Bowl against Penn State. Because the Penn State and the Lions decided, man, we're not going to play defense today. Couldn't tackle, couldn't tackle Schmidt-Suster. Neither team in that. Both teams were, were afraid to play defense that day. I don't, I don't know why. So when you look at that whole situation, it was a scary pick to begin with. Sam's got the look. He's, I think he's got everybody fooled. I don't think he's as good as everybody says. I don't think he's built for New York. 
I don't think this is going to end out well. Let's forget, the Jets have a new GM that did not hire or did not draft this quarterback. Seems that Gase and the GM are friends. How's that going to work out? Adam Gase has gotten two head coaching jobs based off of the jobs that he did with Peyton Manning in Denver, Jay Cutler in Chicago. And all he was there was their ball washer. You really don't need an offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning. He had Ryan Tannehill in Miami who was making a transition from wide receiver quarterback at Texas A&M. Got drafted because this is what owners who don't know football allow to happen in your organizations. Stephen Ross down here in Miami has no clue what's going on. They finally make a good hire. And they look at the roster and go, man, this is too good. The roster's too good. We got to get rid of everybody. We got to get rid of everybody. Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, Minka Fitzpatrick. We're going to get rid of everybody. And why are we going to get rid of everybody? Because we want to suck for Tua. Tua. I'm not even going to try to say this. Tawanga Volula or wherever. But I'm going to try it. Tua is at least going to have the experience leaving college of playing for Nick Saban. By the way, none of his quarterbacks have done anything in the NFL. He throws a good ball. He plays the position well. But you've seen how a change of scenery with Tannehill going to the Titans. And maybe it's because Marcus Mariota stinks. Tannehill looks good with them. He looked good in the preseason with them. He looked good Sunday. Marcus Mariota, you have Titans Buccaneers this week, which would have been Jameis, who was picked one, Marcus, who was picked two. And both guys are looking for new deals. Marcus Mariota is not getting one now. It's still a question to see if Jameis Winston gets one. And if he can't do anything with Bruce Arians, who's a legitimate quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru, Byron Leftwich, who is a good quarterback coach, good offensive coordinator, who have weapons all over the field. It's going to beg the question of, 
Do you really need to go quarterback that high in the draft? Is anybody that can't miss where you have to take them that high? But let's not forget, taking a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, playing them from day one, a first-round pick, a number one overall pick as a quarterback is usually going to a situation that is not good. It wasn't good in Tampa. It wasn't good in Tennessee. Baker Mayfield, the jury's still out on him. But they had so many years of being down that they got to build through number ones to where you look at them and go, hmm, they're not that bad. And Miles Garrett, they were able to trade for uh, Juice Landry. They were able to trade for OBJ. They drafted Nick Chubb. They made some good moves. And like I said the other night, and like we talked about the other night, I will take a guarantee over a crapshoot. Patriots did it together. They brought in Brandon Cooks, which then let them turn it into another first-round pick. When the Los Angeles Rams traded for him, let the Patriots draft not only Sonny Michelle, but it let them draft Isaiah Wynn, who Isaiah Wynn has had injury problems since coming into the league. He was IR'd last year, didn't play. Played a couple games this year, went on IR. That's a great trade for the Patriots when he comes back because you didn't spend a capital. You just had him there, and if Isaiah Wynn is ready, he's sitting there looking at film and he's learning. But those are crapshoots. Danny Dimes is a crapshoot, which even led me on Monday night to say, who's the best quarterback in New Jersey? Well, you can take Rutgers out of it because they don't have one. Sam Darnold. Eh. Danny Dimes, that's two good starts. But we can't grade these guys as of right now. You can't. It's almost impossible. You have to give guys three years. But Sam Darnold looked at that Patriot defense, which he's seen before, which the Jets saw this year, and he was seeing ghosts. He saw a ghost. You know, Jets fans are still, we want Mike McCarthy. That's another ball washer for another Hall of Fame quarterback. So you wanted wanted Mike McCarthy, who was a ball washer for Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. 
I can't. I, I think Mike Seifert, Mike McCarthy, is a George Seifert equivalent. They won, but was it really because of them? Did they win in spite of the coach? Adam Gase is a, is Peyton Manning's ball washer. You have to look. It was funny the whole off season. Oh, if you ever, you know, smelled one of Sean McVay's farts, you were getting a job in the NFL. But McVay was successful with Kirk Cousins, which is what opened him up. He took over in Washington after Kyle Shanahan left. Made Kirk Cousins look good. After that whole RG3 debacle. Mike Shanahan got a lot out of guys that weren't named John Elway. That three-year run that the, that the Denver Broncos had with Elway and Terrell Davis and Shannon Sharp got Terrell Davis into the Hall of Fame. Because, as they say, you can't write the story of the NFL without him. He had three tremendous years. But we all are looking for the next Sean McVay because it's a copycat league because owners say, I want that. Because these owners now that are coming into the NFL – have been extremely successful in business. Have become are extremely successful in business. And they want what everybody else has. We've called it here in the show for years. It's the Veruca Salt way of thinking that has gotten a lot of teams in the NFL in trouble. Don't care how, I want it now. I don't care how we do it. I want it now. I want the next Sean McVay. You saw who was hired this offseason. You look at Chicago with Matt Nagy. Oh, look what he did. It's Andy Reid because they're still doing it without him there. It's why Patriot assistance having been great head coaches because you're not Bill. In Matt Nagy's case, he's not Andy Reid. Then you go to the other side of the Venetian blind, the huge air conditioner vent. And you look at Pat Shermer. He's 17 and 39 as an NFL head coach. He was nine and twenty-three in Cleveland. He's seven and sixteen currently with the Giants. And why did the Giants bring him in? Because they don't want an unproven head coach. They had that fossil, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. So now it's got to be a proven head coach. We've got to have a proven head coach. What's he proven? They's 22 games under 500. 
He was the interim coach in Philly when they fired Chip Kelly and beat the Giants way back when. That's the only year where his stats look any good, and he was 1-0. He has to be a super nice guy. He's got to be. He's nothing better than Richie Kotite. And that name rings bells. It was terrible at the Jets. They kept getting jobs. You look at Pat Shermer. The guy keeps getting jobs. He was a grad assistant at Michigan State. Then he became the tight end's offensive line coach and special teams coach. Then he was an offensive line coach in Stanford. He went to the Eagles under Randy Reed. He's a tight end's and offensive line coach. Then he became the quarterback's coach. He went to St. Louis and became their offensive coordinator. He was hired by Steve Spagnuolo, who was a terrible head coach. They say, you read how it reads, he helped shape Donovan McNabb. No, he didn't. Donovan McNabb was who Donovan McNabb was. He made a great impact on Sam Bradford. We've seen what Sam Bradford became. Then he gets the job in Cleveland because they like the job he did with Sam Bradford. And Mike Holmgren wanted him. Because he wanted Shermer to call the plays the same way Holmgren did in Seattle and Green Bay. But he had past success developing young quarterbacks. Donovan McNabb, who's a very good quarterback, and Andy Reid was there. What did he do in Cleveland? Not a damn thing. Then he goes to be the OC with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was his own goddamn OC. Did nothing there. Then he goes to the Vikings to become a tight ends coach. So he was so great as an OC in, in Philly. That nobody wanted to hire him as an OC. So he goes to Minnesota to be a tight ends coach. The quarterback was was a tight ends coach who was a center in college. Then North Turner resigns and he becomes the interim offensive coordinator. Got the full job in 17. And Case Keenum has this great season because of Adam Thielen, 
Stephon Diggs. They could run the ball. They had good tight ends. They had a ton of talent there in Minnesota. Does not have the same level of talent he does in New Jersey with the Giants. He's been fired after two years as a head coach and got another job. And Case Keenum has stunk without him, but that's because Case Keenum hasn't had the talent that he had there. Talent on an offense is what helps a, a coach go. Josh McDaniels wasn't terrible with Denver. They had no defense. And as the head coach, you're, bit, you're, you're judged by your overall record. The offense was pretty good there. Now it comes to the Giants. He's got an all-world running back in Saquon Barkley. Evan Ingram is eh. He's hit or miss. He's not consistent. They don't have wide receivers. Sterling Shepard's their best wide receiver on the team right now, and he may never play football again. His head, his head scrambled eggs. So when you look at the state of New York football, it starts on the sideline with the guy with the play sheet. And both are their offensive coordinators. And both were ball washers. One was a ball washer for the greatest regular season quarterback to ever play the game. He's stunk in the playoffs. Jay Cutler had a good team around him in Chicago. Matt Forte, uh, you name it. There was a good team there. And when you look at the whole situation, you could have another year in New York where you're looking for a manager or a head coach. After 2017, the Mets and Yankees were both looking for managers. After 2019, the Giants and Jets should be looking for new head coaches. But are both teams too cheap to pull the plug because they don't want to pay two guys to do the job of one? That's what you have to ask yourself. That's what you have to look at here. Are the Giants going to say, hey, let's let's take a step back? And here's who that hurts. That hurts the development of Danny Dimes and Hey Darnold. You're listening to the George Bruce Show on the What's Marine Sports Radio Network. I want to give this to the world as, as a gift from myself and from Ireland. This is who I am. I am an Irishman. A true Irishman. Proper, proper Irish whiskey. Proper 12. It's in the name. Twelve is the district I come from. It's a small suburb in Dublin, Ireland called Crumlin. It's a place dear to my heart. 
With each bottle and with each case we sell, we are going to give back to the first responders. They are the people who enter the buildings when people are running out, and that's, that's heroic to me. Sports Radio Network, powered as always by our good friends and partners at Blog Talk Radio. Adam Schefter had a throwaway line Monday night on the Monday Night Football pregame show, in which he said, Brady is setting it up to move on. puts house up for sale. Alex Guerrero's put his house up for sale. Tom Brady, who is not thrilled with the Boston media for the last week, had this to say on his appearance on WEEI Wednesday morning on the Greg Hill Show. The great part for me, I don't know. I think it has been a unique situation that I've, be, I've been in because I think when you commit to a team for a certain amount of years, kind of feel like there's a responsibility to always fulfill the contract. For me, it's good because I'm taking it day to day and I'm enjoying what I have. I don't know what the future holds, and a great part for me. Football at this time is all borrowed time. Now, here's a guy who says he wants to play until he's 45. Just opened up a new TB12 in Boston. Has the TB12 center in Foxborough. Are we really going to start saying now? But this could be it. This throwaway from Adam Schefter Monday night. To which... Randy Moss, who is a good friend of Tom Brady, who looked as if he was blindsided by the whole situation. It's like they didn't sit down and talk about this beforehand. Adam was like, I got a bomb. I got a bomb to drop here. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to tell anybody. Okay. So what happens then is a firestorm which we know Tom. Tom never gives you anything. Tom's not going to say one way or the other because he doesn't know the Patriots' plan. All he knows is at the end of his at the end of this season, his contract that he reworked in the offseason voids and he becomes a free agent. Some people say, oh, Tom Brady's finally going to become a free agent. He can finally get the $40 million a year he deserves. No. I don't think that happens. Here's what I think happens. I think they play the season out. I tend to think Brady sees what they do in the offseason. But what is really going on 
is that Tom has done right so long by the Patriots, and the Patriots did right by him. But he's also doing right by the Patriots. He could have signed a two-year extension, a true two-year extension, where he's actually on the roster for next year with a lot of dead money if he were to hang him up. This defense looks like it can carry them. But this isn't the Peyton Manning 2015 Denver Broncos, which then carried him to a Super Bowl. This isn't the same thing. Brady still looks good. They still look they look fine on offense. He doesn't look like Vinny Testaverde at the end of his career, and I don't think Tom wants to go out like that. Tom's going to play as long as Tom can at a high level that he doesn't embarrass himself. Pretty cool that you can do that 20 years into your career. I really think that Tom Brady wants to end his career with the Patriots. But as we talked about time and time and time again here on this show, is that the Patriots wanted certainty that if Tom does say, we went 19-0 this year, we won our seventh Super Bowl, nobody's touching me, nobody's touching that. There's a chance he could pass Peyton Manning in touchdowns. There's a chance he could pass Peyton Manning in yards. Then he goes, I've done it all. There's nothing left to do. And he's not going to screw the Patriots over. After they traded Jimmy Garoppolo two seasons ago now, everybody goes, wow, man. Maybe this 45 thing is legit for Tom. And I stopped and will tell you, the Pats have always done right by Tom. And Tom did right by the Patriots yet again. There's no doubt that the day he retires, the Patriots Hall of Fame ceremony will be held in Gillette Stadium with 75, 80,000 people there. Saying goodbye to Tom Brady, the football player, and waiting to see what Tom Brady does in his post-NFL career. Every year when they hold it, they do it in front of the Patriots Hall of Fame. They do it on the stairs. They do it in front of the stairs that head down from Patriot Place. They're going to have to move into Gillette Stadium because that's how many people are going to want to go. Tom has earned that there. Tom earns a statue. Belichick has earned a statue. Put him right up front, right up front of Gillette Stadium. Because they didn't know it. And it's not like when the Yankees had to build Yankee Stadium, where it was legitimately the house that Ruth built. 
because nobody wants the pole grounds didn't want them there anymore because they're out drawing the Giants. And so you got to go find your place of your own to play. So they moved across the bridge, across the McCombs Dam Bridge into the Bronx. Said, all right, we'll build here. The strain lines here, we'll build here. We're good. But Gillette Stadium is the Patriot Place is the place that Tom Brady built. Once again, granted, they had no idea what they had coming when they broke ground for that stadium. If you ask Robert Kraft, the day he broke ground on then CMGI Stadium, and you said to him, Mr. Kraft, within 20 years of this place opening, you're going to have six Super Bowls. You're going to miss the playoffs twice in that time. You're going to win 10 games every year but one in this place. Think he would have said, sign me the hell up? Where can I put that money? Because he would have taken the 360 some million dollars it cost to build that place. He would have ran to Vegas and said, most wins over 20 years, book it. Greatest quarterback to ever play the game, book it. Greatest head coach to ever coach the game, book it. By 2020, I want to cash out these chips. He'd have a few billion dollars because nobody would have believed that. Win the division every damn year. Except for two. Go to the AFC Championship game every year since 2012. Straight. Play that game at home all but three times. That place prints money for the Kraft family. What do they have to... Wouldn't you sign up for that if you were Bob Kraft? I think so. I think there's 31 other owners that would sign up for it. Jerry Jones would be doing the cheers with the cheerleaders on the sideline if he was in this run that the Patriots are in. If he was on the Patriots run when he built that stadium, he would put 200,000 seats in there because he knows he would sell them. Gillette Stadium holds 66,000 people. Yeah, that's because then they broke ground. It was better than better than it was. They had to get out of Foxborough Stadium. That place is a mess. Gillette Stadium holds 65,000 people. Okay. 
they broke ground they revealed the design on April 18, 2000 Okay. This is where the Patriots are been. The Patriots are done. Now it's one of the premier stadiums in the country. there. So that's where you are with that, with the franchise. Then you look at the, going back to the Giants and Jets. The Jets have won the division twice. Twice. Since 1970. Twice. Because the Jets are an afterthought. They're an afterthought where they played, when they played at Giant Stadium. They're still an afterthought in the market. They're constantly trying to find, how do we get up there? How do we get up there? You're not going to get up there. Work on the stadium began March 24, 2000. So this is a month and a few days before they draft Tom Brady, a few months after they hired Bill Belichick. And it got built in two years. The only thing the place needs is escalators. That's it. If you looked at that game Monday night and you were the owners of the Jets and you saw an empty stadium of gray seats in that godforsaken air vent that they play in. And the only people that were left at that point were wearing nautical blue, red and silver. And they were chanting Brady, Brady, Brady. You'd have to, if I was the owner of that team, I walk in there and fire everybody. I go, what are we doing? Can we figure this out? Because I'm tired of having my head up that team's ass. Woody Johnson is on the Jets since 2000.
and they have had their heads up the Patriots' asses all but one year. And that was a Patriot team that was decimated by injuries. And when everybody got healthy, put a damn good run on to make the playoffs that year. You've seen the Giants go to the Super Bowl three times in your ownership. You are the laughing stock of New York. You're the laughing stock of the NFL. To the point where NFL Films and ESPN made it even worse. Made it even worse the other night way. You see ghosts. Which is something that you hear all the time in the NFL. Television user Tom Brady sees ghosts around his feet. Eli Manning has seen them. Peyton's seen them. There was a play where Stephon Gilmore made an interception the other night. Where the only person that didn't see him drop back in the coverage was Sam Darnold because he threw the ball right to him on Devin McCourty Blitz. Embarrassing. And you feel bad if you're friends or family with a Jets fan because they're miserable people. You're listening to the George Bruce Show here on the What's Room Sports Radio. This is Alice Cooper for RADD. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on and so should you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Johnny's play. Well, this chick got up and 
she slept Janet's face. Man, we just fell about the place. If that chick don't want to know, forget her. Alvarez is in his head. 
Bregman has come up as Derek Jeter-like as you possibly could in the playoffs. He has come up yeah. small. He has not done a damn thing for them. You know, and everybody remembers Jeter for the big moments. Other than that, he yes. was terrible in the playoffs. And the only thing that took that True. off of him was the fact that, one, the New York media loved him. Two, Francesa never said a ill word about him because they were always praying that he would come on the show and Duh. talk to him. And three, in 2004, they got their scapegoat in A-Rod. I hate to tell you, 2009, you don't win the World Series without him. No, you don't, you don't make the playoffs in 05 or 07 without them. No. So that's where that is. Speaking of the Yankees, now, I know that, you know, Judge is a little bit, um, you know, distraught after what happened, but how can he say that the season was a failure? 100, 103 wins, their first division title in seven years, and they call it a failure? No, no, no. Let me tell you it was a failure. The Royals were a failure. The Marlins were a failure. The Pirates we're a failure. Baltimore is a failure. You know, those are the teams that are that failed. I wouldn't say anybody who won 103 games the most in uh, almost a decade and getting this game six of the ALCS is not a failure. I mean, that's ridiculous. I know, I know. The all or nothing so, bust. World Series are bust. I, I don't believe in that. If you did a great, if you did a great job, that. you did a great job. Okay, so you came up short. Big deal. So had 27 other teams. Well, when when you look at the Yankees, let's look at those other teams. Were the Marlins really a failure? No, they're doing exactly what Derek Jeter wants them to do. He wants them to suck. He doesn't put a team on. Look, the the AL the NL East came down to who could beat up the Marlins, right? Who could beat up on them the most? The Philadelphia Phillies missed the playoffs because they couldn't beat up on the Marlins. So the Mar to to call the Marlins a failure is wrong because they took the team that spent the most money in the offseason, spent the most money in the offseason last year, put a team together on the field. They, they, success is different in situations. Kansas City Royals, they had their success doing it the old 70s way of doing it, where let's put a team together. They, the, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series in 2015, is likened yeah. to Villanova winning the NCAA tournament. Let's keep seniors for four years. Let's keep kids for four years. Let them grow. Let them grow together. Let them fail, 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 win. The Pirates, they're rebuilding again. They were trying wow. to build the same way that Kansas City did. They just didn't have the, the full – they didn't have the studs or – Ike Davis making a terrible play in the World Series to help him. Right. Baltimore, they're trying to rebuild because they've because <laughs> as in the NFL, as is here, when you see teams that you look at the NFL for example, how many teams are now trying to find anybody who sniffed one of uh, Sean McVay's farts? They're all monkey see monkey do. Right. And what, what's everybody trying to do? They're trying to become the Astros. Where now the Astros are spending money that they didn't spend ten years ago. They built their entire system to the point of where they are now. And this is what's killing Tampa Bay. Um, you look at the Rays. So you can't say those teams are failures because they're achieving what they want to achieve. They want to draft. They're building their minor league system up. 
you know. Um, mm. But then to the Yankees' point of it, it's because of that George Steinbrenner mentality of it's the World Series or bust. Well, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit every year. No. And and the Steinbrenner kids are morons. Yeah, well, I've said here moron. for years. He wasn't a moron because he won, and he knew how to win. He knew what it took to win. His kids are in love with owning the Yankees, don't have a mm. clue, loves horses, and just dreams every night. And when she falls asleep on her pinstripe uh, comforter in the pillow, right. they are dysfunctional. It's just like the Giants. It's just like the Jets. When you – I worry for the only saving grace – for the New England Patriots when Bob Kraft passes away is that Jonathan right. has been running the Patriots as long as his father's on the team. Yes. Hal and Hank and had can't... nothing to do with the Yankees until the old man got sick. Right. John, T- John Merritt was there, but Wellington ran that team. Poorly, might I add. Very Steve poor. Tisch was only there because Preston bought, it, bought Timmy's share because Timmy didn't want to give Wellington the, the control. So... You can't look at that. You look at where these teams are, where the Yankees are in this, and it's you don't let Cashman put money on the field. You have a manager that's making less than a million bucks because you didn't want to pay Joe Girardi, who was a great manager, but he was up your best player's ass or one of your best player's asses to become better at defense. And what do we see? We're doing it to ugly head. The guy can't play defense. So who's wrong there, Joe Girardi or the Yankees? It's the Yankees, and they're not going to yeah. win because nobody wants to come here. Nobody in baseball looks at it and goes, I have to be a Yankee to get on a national commercial. Altuve's proven that. Trout's proven that. Bregman's going to prove that. Mm. Rizzo and Bryan are proving that. You don't have to be in New York to get on the covers of magazines, to be in print ads, no. to be in commercials, whatever. It's not there. No, just because New York you know, is a big market and draws more attention. Same with L.A. and Chicago. But Chicago's Chicago's not torn like New York is. New York, New York and L.A. are big markets, yes, Duh, but they're transplant right. markets. Yes. You know, you walk down the street in, in Manhattan, you see every baseball team's logo, every oh, yeah. football team's logo, every right. It's just like going to goddamn Disney World. You go through Disney World on a Sunday yeah. in, in football season, you could be online with Giant fans, Eagle fans, Redskins fans, whatever. You can be online. Oh, with, you're, you're on the lines with everybody. So New York and L.A., well, yes, they are media markets. They're the sec- biggest markets in the country. The but the players the are realizing that I don't have to be there. I don't have to be there to win. Because if you watch guys that aren't on the Yankees, like you take the guys on the Mets, guys are looking at it going, man, those guys are having great years. They're dogging them every chance they get. So why do we have to sit there and be abused by a dopey media for no reason? Yeah. But to say that, you know, a failure after winning more than 100 games, I wouldn't say that's a failure. I mean, you know, I think just, you know, Judge took it too hard. 
and you know, like strive for perfection. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just you know, it's okay it's just, for, just for, you know, but it's okay to strive season. for perfection. So, but did they really? They well, won an AL East that wasn't as strong as it normally is. Hmm. That's true. It wasn't that strong. Boston wasn't what it was last year. Thank God. Yeah, it wasn't that strong. So, yeah, because I, I tell you, if, if the Red Sox had the year they had last year, Red Sox, the Red Sox season last year reminded me of 96 for the Yankees. Everything that had to go yes. right did. You know, yes. and, and this Yankee team reminded me of that 97 team where it was like, oh, you won 96 uh, games where you won 90 last year, but you you lost in the playoffs because you just weren't yeah. as good. And and you ran into a team that was better than you. And and every well, year. Well, not for nothing, but it's kind of hard to duplicate back-to-back years, too. It, 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 that's why nobody re- – that's why it's really hard to repeat. That's why the last team to do it were the Yankees. That's even right. why, like, I mean, the Giants, who won every other yeah. year, because it's so hard because you need so much to go right. And, and in this day of, of overanalyzing pitchers, over, mm. you know, diapering them and changing their diapers yeah. for them, instead of letting them yeah. just go out there and throw, you know, you look at the yeah. well, you look at the Red Sox. Though, like, I mean – Maybe nobody expected the the um, Red Sox to repeat, but nobody expected them to, you know, crash and burn last, you know, this past season. I mean, this was like a championship hangover, but championship hangover. No, I, you know what? I'll tell you right no. now. I, I didn't see it because I, I saw it, and here's why I saw it. You may call me crazy. Okay. I I saw it because their bullpen was great last year. Mm-hmm. You subtracted the two best parts of that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Last August, Chris Sale was starting to have our problems. He didn't get right. it fixed. You knew that was going to rear its ugly head. Yes. David Price was coming on his opt-out. And he knew he had to pitch well. And he did. Ovaldi, they took a chance on him. It worked out well. So now you take your top three pitchers, and every one of them got hurt this year. Because of mitigating factors that you could see coming. You take out your two best bullpen guys in Kelly and Kimbrell, and what do you have? It's kind of like the Giants offensive line 2002 to 2003. Oh, we patched it together last year. Let's do it again. And it doesn't fucking work every year. And the Red Sox patched everything together. Mitch Moreland had a career year last year. You didn't think that was going to be sustainable. It wasn't. Steve Pierce had a, no. had, had, had a great year last year. Didn't happen. You know, you were helped out by the emergence of Rafi Devers. If you look at the stats offensively between the Yankees yes. and Red Sox, and you tell me who's, who was playing till mid-October, just offensively. Don't, don't, don't even put the pitch in it. Look at it offensively. How the fuck did the Red Sox not make the playoffs? And then you look at the you look at the bullpen. It was terrible. I know, but I was a happy camper. So, so, so you really look at it, and it's you know, and, and you look at the Yankees. Granted, yes, there was a lot of guys hurt. Right, you had a lot of guys hurt, mm-hmm. but you had a lot of guys who were playing for jobs. And that's, it, it, 
And and the and the biggest thing the Yankees had this year is that Brett Gardner is the damn best player in that team. Overall, all around, he's the best player in that team because he gets yeah. it. He may be 36 or whatever, 35, 36. Yeah, some of his skills have diminished. He's not, he doesn't run as much as he did, but that's because Jeter fucked him. Jeter screwed that guy Yeah. in the later parts of Jeter. Is he going to stick around screwed. next year? I would love to. He's the only reason I find the Yankees watchable. He's a great clubhouse guy. Now losing CeCe. I mean, you lose CeCe, who's your second longest tenured Yankee. Yes. Now, the only player that you had that played in the old stadium is now you don't know what's going to happen with him? What is it? I'd have to look up. Does he have another year on that deal? Um, I don't think he does, actually, because, you know, there was you know, rumors flowing around about Gardner. Is he going to come back another year? Is he going to be... You know, traded or one or retire. So there was a lot of rumors flying around. I say he's got one more year. I didn't think it was that old. He signed a one-year deal last year. One-year deal last so he's a year. Free agent this year. Uh, yeah. I didn't think it was that old. He's thirty-six. You know. Yeah. He's going to be thirty-six get, next year. Yeah. And I thought I was getting old. I mean, the guy played in the old stadium. That was eleven years ago. Yeah. Don't forget that. He was the, the starting center game. fielder in the last game at the old stadium. 2008. Yeah, he played 42 games that year. And he helped you win yeah. a World Series in 2009. The last it's one, just the that last his stolen base numbers. Last he, championship he, he by a New York team. He was the starting center fielder. No, the well, Giants won in 2011. Giants. Yeah, so don't remind me. But, uh, Patriots fan. Yeah, but it's been a long drought for uh, the Yankees, you know, by by our standards, you know. By your – see, that's that's the other problem that I, I, I think and I've seen mm. through social media the last few days with the Yankee fans. The problems have become that Yankee fans who are now Yankee fans, and I'm not saying the guys who are 40 and up, but you get somebody who's 35 okay. and younger. Yeah, like I'm 37. So I grew up with the Yankees winning every year, you know, through my high school and, you know, right. and growing up. So when you have a parade every year in October, it's like, cool, free day off from school. It was like we well, built it into uh, the calendar at school. I remember the lean years of the Yankees <laughs> in the uh, 80s when they were horrible. I mean, starting after the 81 yeah. World Series, they took a downward, a downward spiral. Uh, 83 and 84 were the only good season they had until, like, 94. Well, 93, actually. But, you know, those years in the 80s yeah. was pathetic. I mean, the Mets were even more popular than the Yankees were, and, you know, it was just, it was just embarrassing, to, embarrassing to see. Now, as you can tell, I hate to tell you I've this, been around a while. Yeah, I hate to tell you this. Yes, um, the Mets are always going to be the more popular team in New York. Ah, yuck. Here's why, and here's why I say that. Because New York Mets fans are extremely loyal. True. I'll give you that. Like, you look at, like, the difference between, like, the seven-line army and the bleacher creatures 
right. is that the seven-line army, you can go anywhere. And it doesn't even have to be a Met game day. It doesn't have to be a Met home game day. You see something seven-line. You ain't seen no Bleach Creature stuff. That's the biggest difference between mm. what the seven-line army has built because they include everybody. You see when they go, uh, they go on the road, and you see them take over sections, not rows, sections of stadiums in orange. And you go, God damn. They look mm-hmm. like Patriot fans at the end of the, of the game on Monday night. <sighs> Mets fans will always be loyal because so. of the fact that no matter how bad the Wilpons treat them, it's an abusive marriage. They'll always stay. Yankee mm. fans, on the other hand, let's not forget, the old stadium didn't sell out every night. No, it didn't. Until 2004. It didn't sell out in 96. It didn't sell out in 97. It didn't sell out no. in 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2, 3. It didn't sell out every right. night during the regular season. The wings of the upper deck were always closed. Unless it was a big game, unless it was the Mets, the Red Sox, right. A Rod was in. Well, not then any Yankees the got A Rod. It's like oh, 40. Well, don't forget the Bronx is kind of like you know, well, let's say uh, a dump and an unsafe neighborhood. So a lot of that was due to fear. Not around Yankee Stadium, it's not. If it's not around yeah. Yankee Stadium, it's not. I mean, there's more cops there than there is in Times Square during the Yankee game. Yeah, but I mean they got so, a precinct so that's just for Yankee Stadium. Yeah, if you, but that's true. Of, that's true of Baltimore. And when Baltimore was good, they were selling out every night. You go two blocks up from Camden Yards. That's the place. That it's the wire. <clears throat> that really nice Sheridan that you see over the the left center field fence there. That really nice hotel. You mm-hmm. go there and ask them where there's a Catholic church and you want to go to mass on Sunday morning. They're like, hey, just watch it on television. I'm a Catholic. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've been down there. Uh, oh, where okay. can I go to Mass? Uh, channel 39 on the TV. Gotcha. <laughs> Why? You don't want to go there. Cool. But I then you that. look at, like, where – then you look at the Mets fans. Yeah, yeah, it looks sparse, but both stadiums look sparse now because of all the expensive seats are behind home plate. And the part Bro. of the studio audience – you know, you don't see people in the top rows of the Yankee Stadium. You see no. them much. You see them in the 500 level at City at Shitty Field. I mean, a lot of keep, people killed the Phillies last year. They they, they averaged 8,000 more people per game. Didn't even make the playoffs. 8,000. Wow. They averaged 8,000 more a game this year. Harper. That's why. why? There's a Harper. Harper. And and but they thought Harper was going to be a success. And, and it wasn't enough. No. I don't think I think they thought the team would be better, and then you know you lost D. Rob, you yeah. lost Arietta, you lost mm. um, you know guys in that pitching staff sucked. Um, Duval Herrera goes down with the you know being the being the wife or girlfriend or whatever, you know that that doesn't help. His dog. And then what happened? Touch gets hurt, and the next thing you know is it's like, but people are still showing up to the ballpark. Why? Because they already yeah. have the tickets. And they sold a lot of Bryce Harper T-shirts. So the Phillies did exactly. See, that's why teams don't care if you went on the field because you're going to show up and you're going to buy T-shirts 
and you're going to buy hats, and you're going to buy socks, and now that they're selling socks with guys' name pictures on it, I mean, it's stupid. Anything else sell? Anything to make money? Yep, and they do. And they do. Yeah. You want to touch on the Jets, or are you still uh, hurting from the other night? Well, I am still hurting. I mean, Donald had the worst performance by a jelly that's in 75. You're like, ooh. It's, I mean, you know, everybody was thinking that he was going to improve this year. Then, all of a sudden, the mono incident, he had one good game after that, and then he just went back to his old self. I'm sorry, but Donald's got to go. And I think if he continues to lose any more games, they're going to they're gonna ship him out. Well, here's the problem that comes with Darnold. I don't know if you caught the first part of the show, but I'll go over my what I, Adam Gase, who's the head coach of the circus that is the New York Jets. Right. All right. He was Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler's ball washer. Aha. Uh-huh. So he he really has never proven himself to be anything more than that. Peyton Manning on this job. People should mm. stop listening to Peyton Manning. So, when you look at all this stuff, you know, and I'm sure you're one of the Jeff fans that wanted Mike McCarthy, right? Yes. Right? You wanted another guy, you wanted Aaron Rodgers' ball washer? Is that, Mike McCarthy's a terrible football coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not hard to be Aaron Rodgers' ball washer, Peyton Manning's ball washer. Hell, Josh McDaniels looks really good with Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not hard. I mean, the only people that could screw up having a, a, a Hall of Fame qual- caliber quarterback is Kevin Gilbride. He destroyed Eli, just like the organization destroyed. But yeah. I, I wouldn't want Mike McCarthy here. He's a, the guy sucks. And so does Adam Gase. Sam sucks. Oh, Gase sucks. Without That's Juju. Sure. Well, everybody knew that. But you but you really do look at it, and here's the thing with Sam Darnold. Why do you know Sam Darnold's name before he was a Jet? Because he had that great game against Penn State, right? Right. He had a great Rose Bowl. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. They didn't play any defense in that game. So, really, his, that, his what, sophomore year, whatever it was, the year he came out, at USC, it wasn't great. Because if it was great, he would have been number one overall, no chance, no dice, no no, no even thoughts about it. Baker doesn't even get to that point. Nope. Baker's not the number one overall pick. He is. Well, obviously Cleveland saw something that they didn't like with him. But we got to figure out what it is. As soon as Cleveland can find out who they are. Let's not forget, Sam has also now in his second system mm-hmm. in two years in the NFL. You're committing malpractice to that kid because now he's not going to have any chance to succeed. What a shame. I'm not complaining about it. I thought he sucked coming out of college. Well, I. I guess those boos were, were real. I mean, because, you know, when, I, when we heard the draft uh, choice the Jets got, I mean, the fans were already booing him back, you know, 
back as far as the West Coast, I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. And they've been right so far. Yeah, and and you know what, and that's not, I I don't know if you consider that to be his fault. I mean, Jet fans would, you know, have booed everybody. They booed, um, well, they booed Darrell Rivas getting drafted. So that's true. You know. But who do you really blame? But, do I you mean, blame the coach? Do you blame? Do you blame? Darryl? Who is really to blame? You know, especially for the Monday night fiasco that just happened. I mean, is it entirely oh, his fault? Is it the coach's fault? Is it the other members of the team's fault? I mean, who is really to blame here? It's a lack of talent. Um, I st- look. I, I, anytime you want to talk about who's to blame, I start at the top. It's the owner's fault. Because this is 20 no, years now of ineptitude. You know, look, I, I think the Giants are in the same mess because of their ownership. I think the Cowboys are in the mess they are because of their ownership. Hmm. The Redskins, Daniel Snyder's a boob. True. True. Name a team. Why is Mike Tomlin Detroit. still employed? Because of his owners. Detroit's owner's 95 years old. What about the Lions? She's lucky she could see fit. I'm saying that. Detroit, she's 95 years old. She's lucky she can see past the end of her fucking nose. Yeah. She don't know what the fuck's going on there. No. To the point that they keep paying Matt Stafford. And not giving him anything around him. Loser. <laughs> oh, he's not a loser. loser. He's smart. No, he's smart. He's really smart. He's got everybody. Yeah. He's not terrible. He's got nothing around him. Here. Yeah. I just pulled up Sam Bradford, Sam Darnold's, same difference, Sam Darnold's yeah. college stats. The year with Juju, in 13 games, he threw for 3,000 yards, 31 Ooh. touchdowns. Without Juju, he played 14 games. He threw the ball a lot more. He threw the ball in one game more his senior year without Juju, 114 times more. For a thousand more yards, without Juju, without a stud running back. I see. Boy, these are questions that come up on my show. <laughs> oh, hey, that's what we're here for. But yeah. if, well, but if you really look at it, but take out Juju. Who else, that that USC team that year was stacked offensively. It was him. It was Juju. Let's see. I'm trying to think of who else was on that game. Well, I don't know the team. <clears throat> like I said, I could put this stuff on my I'm, show. <laughs> hey, take it. It's easy to find. Uh, yeah, because uh, um, I, I host a show on uh, Saturday nights, actually. So. Uh, ah, good for you. Yeah. Almost on here years. on the powerful block stuck radio. Uh, no, no, but I've been a part of Blog Talk for almost four years now. I'm on a, I'm on a, a sister service um, of that, and I'm on Saturday nights, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. That's a tough time, brother. Well, I do have a, I do have a loyal audience. Yeah. Well, I live on the East Coast. Sam Darnold. Oh, so do I. They just gave us. I didn't a know. You, I didn't know if you were based on the. Um, I didn't know where you were based. 
Nope, 10 years here, and they've changed our number three times. Three times? They've only changed my mind twice. Me. <laughs> oh, good for you. Lucky you. Yeah. Who else was on that team? Uh, Juju, the Dory Jackson, Ronald Jones was their running back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, they had a lot of talent on that team that year. I mean, you yeah. see what Juju's become. You mean Schuster? But no, I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Juju was on that team. Juju, mm-hmm. I, they made Penn State look stupid in the in the in the Rose Bowl that year. But oh, they yeah. team by defense in that game. So, but no, when you look at the Jets, it starts at the top. It's it's Woody. It's his dopey brother down that's in charge. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. let a guy as a GM make personnel decisions, make draft decisions, and then fire him in May? Yeah. Who also makes the coaching choice? Or just sit there and go, man, this wasn't a good idea? Shouldn't you have made that in, like, I don't know, February? Before you spent $13 bucks on Lev Bell? Who, let's face it, the Indianapolis Colts had first write a first refusal for him, and they are like, you know, we don't want this guy. They're, they're doing pretty damn well. Even with a quarterback who decided to quit on him at the beginning of the year. And then Jacoby Brissett comes in, and it's like, oh, this kid's a player. And finally, that trade's working out for both teams. It's finally working out for the Patriots with Phil Dorsett. It's finally working out with Indianapolis. You know, it did work out for Indianapolis. Here they traded them because it was able to gain respect of the room. And I don't know if Darnold has that. I don't know if that room respects Darnold. I mean... Mm-hmm. Lev Bell comes out today, and he's sticking up for him because of what NFL films and ESPN leaked with the I'm seeing ghost thing, which should have never gotten put out there. That That's terrible, no, that, that but was it's funny for the rest of us. No, but I think that has a big problem. I think there's a big part to do with how the perception of the Jets is. I really think that teams are tired of them. I think they're tired of their braggadocious nature, and they're just trying to grab headlines in New York. And they're like, you know what? We're going to bury them. And they did. Good for them. Yeah. But that's where it starts. I mean, Gase is a dope. True. You, who, I, if I was the Giants, if the Giants knew that Demarius Thomas was going to become available from New England, you think they don't send him a six-round pick? I mean, I, I bet um, the Patriots are no. so damn shocked that they got a six-round pick for him. They're like, oh, here, take him. Bet's biting them in the ass right now. But then again, when they made the trade, they had Antonio Brown. So, really can't kill New England for that. Knowing they were going to get Keel Harry back, knowing they were going to make a move at some point, you knew that they were going to try to fleece Atlanta. I'm shocked that Austin Hooper's not in New England yet. But Mo is. Mo knows the system. Mo knows half the friggin' locker room because of being from Rutgers. Ah. You know, that, yeah, that, that's what you have to look at there. Football either. 
Rutgers' problem is that they have players who have quit on the entire situation right now. No kidding. Nope. Dead serious. They have guys who quit on the situation, and it's a bad thing. They're they're guys who legitimately come out and said to people in the know, you know, Hobbs quit on us. And because the lawmakers in the state. Here's the problem with Rutgers. And I don't know if you've ever gone down the wormhole of YouTube. There's a series on. Okay, so there's a series on YouTube from. um, It's called Content is King. I forget how they spell it. Or heard of it? How is it? I have it. It's no, it's, it's something else. I forget, I forget exactly what their thing is. I have it saved on my YouTube because I love watching it. <laughs> it's um, where the fuck is it now? Kowiski, C O I S K I. Content is king, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. And they go to all these like different colleges around the country. And go into their, you know, equipment rooms and all this stuff and just see it. If you see what Oregon has, what Alabama has, what Duke has, what Army has, and you try to find that in Piscataway, you're not going to find it. Granted, you have the Uncle Phil stuff with, with Oregon to where, like, they get shit three weeks before everybody else even sees it. You're like, oh, damn, where did they get them cleats? Um, and gloves and shoes and everything. I mean, they're, they're Nike's guinea pig, and that's fully right because Phil Knight and Nike is right up the block in Oregon. But how do you compete with that? It used to be the $100 handshake. Now it's, hey, do we get all the UFC fights in here? Do we get all the wrestling here? Do we get fed all day? These are little NFL locker rooms that these teams have. Right. I mean, Oregon's the kids have locks and lockers and shit. You know, and, and, and wireless charging for their phones and all this crap. It's craziness. I know. So, the, I mean, you can't compare until Rutgers finally puts that whole thing and puts everything in motion. They're finally starting to see full shares from the Big Ten. So, granted, um, there's a chance that that could happen. But, you know, as we were talking about the other night, when it came down to when Chris Ash got here, he got right back on the plane to Columbus. As opposed to when Shiano got here, he showed up at BC and, and, and Ramapo and all the big-time Jersey schools. You hired somebody who really should have never gotten the job. Hey, P.J. Fleck was here. Wouldn't you rather have him right now? I would. I mean, you didn't have a chance at James Franklin. But you had a shot at Fleck. He was here. You know, uh, you had a shot at the guy at Syracuse. 
you passed because somebody said, let's get somebody who knows the Big Ten. Rutgers' problem was, and it started from the previous administrations in the athletic department, Mm-hmm. They have a deal with C. Vivian Stringer that nobody can make more money than her. And you're not paying a women's basketball coach $9 million a year. It's just not happening. Gino Ariema doesn't make that kind of money. So, and the women's, Rutgers women's team hasn't been that in 10 years. Good. They haven't been, you know, Sweet 16 level in a long time. So, yeah, it started because you were still recruiting Big East athletes, American athletes, when you should have been recruiting Big Ten athletes. So that when you started in the Big Ten, you were hit the ground running. Maryland's facing this too. But when you become everybody's homecoming game, somebody's got to stop and say, wait, what's going on here? And the fact that in your house this week, you are paying a team $1.1 million that's favored by a touchdown, they should cancel the whole damn football season. That's yeah, that'd be a blessing for us. No, it wouldn't, because you'd be paying for everything. Remember, their budget comes out of your state tax dollars in the state of New Jersey. That's a big thing. It's what it is. The next coach has to be the right coach. The next hire has to be the right hire. I still don't know if the hire that keeps coming out of people's mouths is the right one. I don't know if Joe Moorhead's the right one. Because Tommy Stevens isn't following him here. If Tommy Stevens was following Joe Moorhead here, I'd say, great, go ahead, let's go. Like he did to Mississippi State. Penn State, Penn State fans looked at Tommy Stevens leaving and went, oh, shit, there goes the season. There goes the neighborhood. Now they're seventh in – yep, now they're seventh in the country. Sam Clifford and K.J. Hamler have a thing going. And maybe Tommy Stevens saw this and nobody else did because you're not there every day. There were games last year where McSorley got hurt and Clifford came in. Right. So – Maybe Tommy Stevens saw the writing on the wall. We don't know. He's never going to say, like, oh, I saw this coming. That's why I went to Mississippi State. Everybody just mm. said, well, shit, you've been grooming this kid for three years now. Why is he leaving? Well, he left because he wanted to play with Moorhead, and it's not really working down there in Mississippi State. Blessing in disguise for Penn State, the official college football team of the state of New Jersey. Yes. I've been a Lions fan a long time. And Rutgers. And Rutgers is going to get embarrassed on Saturday. No kidding. I mean, I don't think the Big Ten Network could put them on any earlier than they do. The fact that they let them beat a 3.30 game this week was a joke. 
I was surprised they still him on the year because they know they're going to suck anyway, and yet they still put him on. But I think well, Andres they think the network has to put him on. Go ahead. Well, no. Remember, they are on a Big Ten network in the New York area. It's kind of like how CBS does football. Right. Or like how ESPN does it, the ABC game or the ESPN2 games. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten network does the same thing. So right. in the local markets, so in the well, New York the, market, Rutgers is on the Big Ten Network. If you were in state is, college. Well, the, the problem is, you know, Rutgers in the Big Ten to begin with. You know, they never should have got there. I know more money, more exposure in this and that, but, you know, you've been taking a beating almost every week since you came to the Big Ten. They never should have broke up the Big East. No, first Oh no! Uh, no, they didn't break up the Big East. Don't no, they? They were not the ones. They weren't the ones that broke up the Big East. Yeah, no, the Big East didn't want to be in football anymore. The Big East, Miami broke up the. Miami broke up the Big East. True. Let's not forget that Miami leaving because they didn't want to share with Seton Hall. They didn't want to share with St. John's. They didn't want to share with Villanova. They didn't want to share with Georgetown. So the teams that founded the Big East, that gave you a soft landing spot when nobody wanted Miami, Mm -hmm. were like they flipped them off. And Syracuse flipped them off because they said, well, Mm -hmm. if Miami leaves, there's no football money here. Who will take us? Well, the ACC took it. And then BC, because it gets the ACC network and Raycom into Boston. I didn't get that. Okay, let's go. And they went. And then Pitt went. So all those teams that found homes in the Big East, because the Big East now had Miami, who they didn't want originally, said, Mm -hmm. we could make a lot more money if Miami's on television and football-wise. Right. So, this is the so this is the problem now with the Big East. Bringing in UConn has now forced UConn to find some place to play football. They're going to be an FBS independent unless they go back, in which they should go back. They should go back to FCS, play Villanova, play exactly. Georgetown. UConn sucks at football. Well, they didn't suck in the Big East. Oh, yeah, so, but since they went to this AAC, because, I mean, they really suck. Ugh. Well, the AAC is a crappy conference. True. It's a shit conference to begin with. The elect, the elect you know, crappy conference. It is. It's a shit conference. And it's so it shit is, that UConn was like, we got to the, they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here for basketball because it's killing us in basketball. Yeah. So now you have home game. games. Yes, yeah, so and now you look at it. Seton Hall's going to be in a very big dilemma here. Mm. Now, this year, you're playing UConn at Walsh in December. Right. Yes. You don't think that game's going to be sold out? That game should be at the Prudential Center, but they'd be at, yeah. it, it, it's the same thing with Rutgers. They don't want that game to be at the Prudential Center because it would be half UConn fans, 75% UConn fans, because who goes and wants to see Hall win basketball? Where now with them coming to the Big East, that just now that you're coming back in, 
well, let's see. UConn coming back in now makes that an uneven conference. Makes it a nine-team conference. Are they going to go to ten? Are they going to go to twelve? Because then, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know what their thinking is. Where Rutgers cannot, because of the stadium size, cannot drop down the FCS. It's just not going to happen. Right. right. So they can't even come back to the Big East because the Big East, the Big East doesn't want Rutgers. St. Hall doesn't want Rutgers. They kind of like the Hardwood Classic thing or whatever they do. Yeah, but I kind of like the, the, you know, the state rivalry, you know? Well, they have it. They play every year. Yeah, I know, but and it's not alternate. the same as, you know, being in the conference. You know, conference rivals going at each other year after year. I mean, yeah, it's good they're still, you know, going to play once a year, but it doesn't have the same feeling as it does if they're in the same conference. The, yes, but Rutgers was never good enough in basketball anyway to compete with Seton Hall. Even when Seton Hall was oh, bad. Oh, now, wait Rutgers a second. At home, they were t- at home, they were great. Yeah, that's because they were playing in, in, in a in a shithole gym. The rack. And it, the rack's a shithole. Oh, I don't know. I've been there. I don't think it's a shithole. It's a shithole. It's not top-notch, Compared but to, it's not exactly a dump either. I'd rather play at Walsh than play there. And Walsh is tiny. Ooh, Walsh is an ramped up. amazing gym to go see a game in. If you ever go get a chance to go to a game at Walsh when Seen Hall's men's team plays there, that is an awesome experience. Because you're right on top of the game. The rack is mm. like... Tom's River North High School has a nicer gym. I'll give you that. So... When when you look at that whole thing here, um, you know when it comes down to Rutgers, it's they're putting money into the Olympic sports, right? They're putting money into wrestling, they're right. putting money into field hockey, they're putting money into soccer. Okay, that's stage one of that whole building up to the Big Twelve, Big Ten thing, right? Like they they have to build all those facilities. Now, Rutgers is finally Rutgers and Maryland are finally getting their Full shares from the Big Big Ten Network, the Big Ten. So now that's forty-five million dollars a year from just the network. Hmm. Forty-five million a year. Not exactly chump change either. No, hold on. Rutgers. Oh, never mind. They changed that. They may be getting more, but um, the full revenue share from the Big Ten will arrive in 2027. With all 14 member schools receiving 2027 now. But Rutgers' revenue share jumps to 20 in 2021 to 43.7. Up from twenty eight million in twenty twenty two. So I'll be an old man by then. Well, yeah. Well, that's why. But there's no reason why. But they're not saying why that's taking so long. So that's got to be because of Rutgers facilities, or Rutgers just wanting to cook the books a little bit longer to get more subsidy from the school. Yeah, because Rutgers that would... right now spends a hundred million and only brings in like ninety six million, 
which is going to take a little bit more of a hit because next year they're going to be paying two coaches. Yeah. And and honestly, if there was a guy that they really wanted that's not signed, look, you could get you could really at this point get onto. See, this is where I think Hobbs is making the mistake. You have the ability now to hire the coach. All right, you're the only team in the country that's fired your coach. You could hire him now because this isn't the NFL where you have to wait until the offseason plan. You're not going to bring in a new coach and a new staff now. But you could bring in a new coach now so that he could start recruiting. He could start talking to the previous recruits that said they were coming here. And you could convince them to stay. Because what are you going to have? You're going to have kids decommitting, especially now, and go, this isn't really working. I've seen things where they're saying, you know, Jim Haig the other day said the other day um, that Rutgers should get in with these high school coaches in the state and tell kids if Rutgers wants, you know, if, if you are getting recruited, Rutgers has to be one of your stops. I don't agree with that because you shouldn't force kids to have to go to Rutgers. Because these kids are, it, it, it comes down to the whole equipment thing. If you could sit there right. and you can go out to Oregon and see what Oregon's putting in front of you, a Nike school, or you go down to Miami, which is an Adidas school, which is Adidas' school, like that's their big time one, and Rutgers is like two on that list. I don't know why. For them. <laughs> or you can go out to Notre Dame or Penn State or wherever and see what they have all there. At the end of the day with them, it is to the point of kids don't want to stay home. No, they don't. So that, that, that's the whole thing with Rutgers, though. That's the biggest problem with Rutgers right now. Soccer's doing well. Field hockey's doing well. There's a chance they can so varsity and ice hockey playing, you know, some games at Prudential Center, I've heard, which I think is stupid because you'll have more people there for double games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're trying to expand their sports program, and um, it's, 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 something's got to give there. So you got anything else? Hey, talk your show. All right. All right. Saturday it's, night called the enhanced, it's called the Enhanced Sports Show. It's Saturday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. at Eastern Time, for those of you calling out of the area. Uh, we cover just about everything in the sports world. The number to call is mm-hmm. 712-775-7035. And the PIN number is 423-999-POUND. Press the pound sign, or you can't get in. Okay. See, because we're part of a network, right. and we use sometimes the same number, so the PIN code separates, you know, the shows. Gotcha. That's kind of weird. <laughs> so, well, we're part of a network. <laughs> 
So, you know, and that's how it's hired. Right. Now, I've never seen that before. What, a, a, a pin code? All righty. What's that? You mean a pin code? Yeah, I've never seen how that, yeah, because Block Talk just gives us here our own personal number. Well, it's not Block Talk, actually. It's a, it's a different different service. Yeah. That's why. All right. So if you get a chance to uh, start night, uh, feel free to call if you can. Will do. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. All right, man. You're welcome. Maybe we'll talk about another Rutgers loss. All right. Always fun when people call up. Uh, I actually found it. Uh, there you go. Um, I don't like exhaust. Uh, before we go, couple, two more things we could take on. Um, the NBA's lost its collective damn mind. It starts with Adam Silver, who is just letting the players run that league and then running it into the ground. Um, and in the sports and the media hosts, um, calling guys by their nicknames. Come on, please. Um, so that's that problem with the NBA. Touched on uh, World Series. Uh, Scherzer or Verlander in Strasburg tonight. Expect more of the same as last night. Verlander is a stopper for them. That's why he's going here. And the fact that they got to this point, uh, I think they would have rather gone one-two with those two. Um, Tying up loose ends. Uh, Cubs today signed David Ross as their new manager. That is a big loss to ESPN's Little League World Series coverage. He was tremendous on it. He gets he gets the kids. He's young kids. Um, managed his own kids last summer, so he got to bring that. Um, you know, that experience into calling Little League games. He's going to do great there. That trip to Williamsport that the Cubs made this year when they played the Pirates at the Little League World Series Classic, that showed uh, everybody in Chicago and the ownership group that that was the right guy. He relates well with those players. Uh, KB and Rizzo love him. You know, what are they going to do next year with, with you, Darvish, who could possibly – uh, not be there, I think that would be the best for them. Uh, the fact that once that move was made this morning, the fact that the Phillies didn't announce Joe Girardi means that Joe Girardi is still open for the Phillies and the Mets. The Phillies are the better fit for him. He's a guy who can get the most out of a guy like Bryce Harker, can get the most out of Reese Hoskins. He doesn't have a catcher he's going to have to worry about there because JT Riamutau is the best catcher in baseball. He is the best catcher in baseball, and nobody gets to see him because he played in Miami, and the Phillies didn't get to that stage. But he's got guys like D-Rob there. He could probably convince McCutcheon to come back. It's, it's a veteran team there. Joe Girardi is perfect for the Phillies. For the Mets, that bombshell candidate, come on, this is just the fucking Mets doing the same bullshit that the Mets do over and over and over again. They're going to hire somebody fucking dopey like Beltran or something who's never 
Hispanics, and then they're going to be like, what the fuck happened? Why do we suck? Why do we always suck? That's why. Because you're going to have a guy who's not a manager. Uh, we hit on the Josh Gordon, the IR thing. That story is still fluid. So if you are going to follow that story, use the Twitter machine because shit is coming out. Uh, he probably won't be there after he gets healthy, or he might. You never know. Um, the Patriots have a thing. You know, They have a bunch of guys that they're bringing back off the IR, so he's not going to be one of them. He seems to be blindsided by it. I can see where they're coming from. They're going to need the space for Nikhil Harry. Or, or, they can always cut him and bring him back um, and then work that whole thing out. That's the show. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the George Bruce Show here on the What's Room Sports Radio.